Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Eagle Hour. Bob Getty and Luke Johnson. We're in the First Bank Studios here in Laurel and Hattiesburg this afternoon. A little technical glitch there at the start, but we're on the air, and we're glad you're with us uh, for another edition of the Eagle Hour. Opening segment sponsored by Dickey's Barbecue Pit, proud supporters of our show, and of course, Southern Miss Athletics. And we encourage you to enjoy Dickey's Barbecue the next time you have a hankering for delicious barbecue. It's Monday. The Golden Eagles have had another great weekend of Conference USA Baseball. We uh, start the show out today as we do every Monday with head baseball coach Scott Berry. And coach, just before we came on the air, breaking news, Hunter Stanley and Walker Powell uh, sharing Conference USA Pitcher of the Week honors. And uh, and what a weekend it really was as your four starting pitchers uh, throw 29 innings, allow just one earned run, Seven hits, one walk, and 33 strikeouts. Uh, your comments on uh, the performance of your pitching staff this weekend? Well, Bob, I mean, honestly, it was just dominating. I mean, they went out and they dominated, uh, it seemed like, every at-bat. And, you know, where there was some fine defensive plays behind them to, to give that support, that all works together. But, you know, to have Stanley go out and do what he did on Friday night, nine, Cover nine innings of uh, two-hit shutout ball before we got into extra innings, only to pass it off on the first game Saturday, which was senior day, to have Walker. You know, I know he scripted that, a no-hitter on senior (laughs) day, so that was uh, pretty masterful on his part. But but then the young freshman, Ben Etheridge, has to live up to both of those, which he does. And then yesterday, uh, you know, the pressure's on Drew Boyd to go out and uh, deliver like the three prior, and, and he does that as well. So, you know, hats off to our pitching staff. It's been really good all year. Coach Ostrander has done an outstanding job with those guys. They have really responded to the things that he teaches and instills in them, and, and uh, you know, and it, and it shows. Coach, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, this morning the uh, baseball team moves up to Number 17 in the USA Today Coaches Poll, you're 19th in Division I, 20th in Baseball America. And I know that you don't watch uh, those things very closely, but does the team pay a lot of attention to that? Does that add pressure every every week that you, that you move up in the polls? Or are you and your guys able to just kind of blank that out and, and focus on the next game? Well, I can only answer for myself because I don't know what they do in their free time. Uh, but I don't pay attention to it. And, uh, you know, that'll drive you crazy, in all honesty. You know, I'm sure that they do because every time I walk in that locker room, they're on their phone, looking at their phone, <laughs> having conversations on their phone and whatever else you do on your phone. So I'm sure that they do. Uh, but, you know, I uh, I choose not to get wrapped up in it at all because I know that uh, the pressure is enough as it is whether you're doing good, whether you're doing bad, uh, you know, it's the pressure of going out and winning a game in Division One baseball is, is real, and it's hard to win games. Uh, you know, you know, people, I know going into the weekend, uh, the expectations, obviously, you know, Southern Miss should sweep Middle Tennessee. Well, you know, we, we practice to do that. But reality, it's hard to beat somebody four times. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we did, and we played really good in all four of those games in order to win those games. So, um, you know, the the, uh, the national rankings, the polls, I don't have a clue what the RPI is. Um, those are all great, uh, and I think that they reflect 
the uh, the play of our team and the strength of our schedule and, and what we've done in the anatomy of, of our program right now. So you know, we're very grateful for that, but we have to also understand that you know, we got to go out and play the game, and that's that's the thing that we're trying to instill in these guys. That you know, no matter what, you got to go out and, and win the game of baseball each time you play. All right, here's your one more stat, Coach. Uh, you reached 30 wins for the 19th straight season. Uh, that consecutive string of 30 win seasons is now fifth best among all Division One baseball programs in the United States of America. So uh, I think that speaks. Uh, I just think that says probably more about the baseball program under your leadership than uh, than any other stat. Luke, uh, get in here with Coach Barry. Coach, uh, I want to ask you another question about pitching. I, have you ever? I guess you have never had four weekend starters because of the uniqueness of this. But we know all these dudes are are outstanding students. Also, have you ever had four starters whose it was pointed out to me today whose ERA is lower than their GPA? <laughs> no, I have not. So, uh, and that's that's a pretty good stat. I have not, and I've never compared that either. So that's the first time. So, uh, you know, all these guys that, that we run out there on the weekend, you know, people see them as the competitors and the athletes, but you know, they are students as well and very good academic students and, and take great pride in in their their work. You know, Stanley and Powell are both in graduate school. Uh, ben Etheridge, uh, he's, he's young in his career, COVID freshman. Uh, Drew Boyd claims he's a four-year freshman. So uh, hopefully he's not still <laughs> taking freshman classes. But, but no, Drew is an outstanding student, too, a presidential scholar. And I don't think he's made below an A since he's been here. So, you know, and I'll tell you what, I think it also equates to how they pitch on the mound and not making mistakes. You know, if you're smart, then you understand how to beat beat people and and uh, and do things right to not beat yourself and and that's what you see a lot of in these guys when you correlate their pitching and and just their off the field academic side uh they just they don't beat themselves a whole lot coach uh, when you look at this four game series uh going into after friday night it was a it was a tale really of one game and then three games two to one and then you outscore them 24 to five and what what I was most proud of was a little frustrating. You get the win, but you leave eleven on base. That seems to be a continual theme all year long. You know, leaving seven or eight batters a game. But then the next uh, three games, coach, you only leave thirteen on base. Five in game one on uh, on Saturday, four in game two, and then four in the Sunday game. I, I I thought that was one of the most important stats all weekend long. That when the Golden Eagles needed to get uh, runs in, big hits, they got them. Yeah, well, you know, actually on Friday night, we actually left 13 on base. So uh, it was very frustrating as far as that. But, you know, both pitchers were really getting after it. I mean, the lefty was really good. I, I really liked him, Siebert, for Middle Tennessee. You know, he was commanding both sides of the plate. He was throwing a little cutter under the right-hander's hand. And, you know, he, uh, just like we see our pitchers do at times, when they have to turn it up a little bit to keep from somebody scoring, that's exactly what he did as well uh, on on Friday night. So, but you were right. We did find a way to win and, and create that momentum into Saturday, and and then from there, obviously, we gave uh, Powell and Etheridge and Boyd outstanding run support. You know, credit Coach Creel and Coach Amirati and and the position players on the work that they do. 
each and every day out there on the on their uh, offensive side of the game, and and you know it, it sort of took the pressure off from uh, from those pitchers in those next three games, getting those runs and getting those leads. Uh, one more question about the the offense. Uh, Sergeant, you know, had, had, a, had a big home run that was that was huge, but he, he continues, you know, to struggle some in that cleanup. Um, we going to shuffle that at all, or it just seems as if since uh, you put Ewing in the lineup in, in right field, the lineup has stayed the same uh, down the stretch. There's no reason to change the lineup as long as you're winning. Uh, you know, my theory is is. Uh, if it's not broke, don't try to fix it. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, we've ran that lineup for quite a while now, and we'll continue to do that. Not the only change you'll see is at that catching position. Jack always jokes about it being a copy machine lineup, and, and honestly, uh, that's, that's <laughs> what it is. And the best, best teams that I've ever been a part of, it's, you know, it's that same nine that goes out there. I mean, they're the ones that have, have earned that and, and the chemistry. Whatever it is seems to to fit that the best. We did have one change back at, at Louisiana Tech where we had to move Danny out of the six hole and move him up there in the three hole because of Charlie Fisher's absence. I was real reluctant to do that uh, just because of Danny had really uh, found his 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 uh, his spot there in that six hole and was really producing. So I hated to do it, but. You know, we're we're a big boy sport, and we had to do that in Charlie's ass. But now since Charlie's back, we've gotten back to our original lineup that we've been running for quite a while. And, and I like it. It seems to be, uh, be successful, so we'll just continue with it. We're talking to head baseball coach Scott Berry on the Eagle Hour. Golden Eagles coming off a four-game weekend sweep over Middle Tennessee. Florida Atlantic next on the slate. We'll talk to Coach Berry about that upcoming series and more Southern Miss baseball chatter right after this. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Eagle Hour. We're visiting with uh, head baseball coach Scott Berry this afternoon after the Golden Eagles come off another very impressive weekend series. And, uh, Coach, I know you felt good about things overall. We talked a lot about pitching, but uh, your bats really seem to come alive uh, in the uh, Saturday contest. Just a little bit about your offensive output. Well, you know, of course, you know, Gabe has has gotten hot yesterday. One of his better days, but he's really been – Taken off once again in that in that leadoff spot for us. It, you know, at one time that boy was hitting under 200 uh, for a long time. We didn't know if he'd ever climb out of it, and to date he's hitting 317. So certainly he's made the adjustments and gotten back to the old game that we all uh, knew prior to, to to this season. But you know, some guys that have really picked up the game obviously is uh, Reed Trimble. I mean, he's just an electric player. Just dripping with athleticism, both on the defensive side and the offensive side. You know, he can steal bases. You know, that Friday night game and extra innings. It was nice to have him at third base, our fastest runner. When uh, when Sarge hits that ball up the middle and with the infield in, and he beats the throw of the plate to tie the game. You know, speed is what won that. 
uh, at that point right there to tie that game. So, but you know, Danny Lynch has really picked his game up as as well as it. And Will McGillis, he's under, he's still under two hundred, but he's he's hit some big doubles for us. He had a couple of home runs this weekend. You know, in big situations yesterday, we were up, or it was tied one to one, and he hits a three run homer to put us up four to one. So, you know, that that was a big bat for us. Um, but you know, Dustin Dickerson is starting to pick his game up. You, you've seen uh, this weekend. I thought he had you know really good games at the plate, played well defensively. So, these are guys that uh, have started making contributions. The guys lower in the oral are two catchers. Had good weekends as well. Uh, if we can, you know, if we can get that balance from top to bottom, then uh, certainly that's going to uh, help our chances of winning games day in day out. McGillis really hit a monster shot too. I, I, I don't know if my eyes deceived me or not, but I think he hit it over the scoreboard, Coach. Oh yeah, he did. He did. Oh, that was on Saturday, and then yesterday he hit one uh, way over that tradition of excellence sign as well. So. Um, yeah, he's uh, you know he's got he's got that power for sure. So when he runs mm-hmm. into one, it can it can go a long way. I think too. There's been a lot of I, I think offensive improvement from your two catchers. Seems like they've been really contributing a lot more at the plate. You know they really have. Uh, of course, uh, Blake Johnson he's up to two forty five. Both of them were below two hundred for quite a while. Andrews at one eighty nine. But you know he had a really good game and Walker's no hitter. Not only did he receive well uh, and do everything defensively that we act, ask of them and, and expect of them, but offensively, you know, he got, got us on the board first with his first home run, and then later had a backside base hit that played in another one that was in a crucial situation as we built runs uh, in that inning. So played really well, and and Blake's really been barreling up balls and and, uh, and having some really good at bats as well and driving in runs. Is this a case, Coach, of uh, there's so many young players on the team, so many freshmen, so many sophomores. Is this a case, too, of, of, of these kids? They're really, in a sense, they're not freshmen at this point. You know, they've got a lot of game experience under their belt. Just like you see the hitting coming around in the catching position. And that tend to be just a matter of getting on the field and, and maybe maturing a little bit? Oh, yeah, I think you're spot on, exactly. You know, I think about right now for the, for the freshmen, the COVID freshmen, They've really got about a year under their belt right now, you know, based on what we had last year that we played. Um, you know, I think we when we get in sixteen games, I can't remember right. now. Twelve and four. Uh, Twelve and four. Right. So you know, based on that and where we are right now, they're, they've got about a full year of baseball under their belt. So, but you can see this team from the beginning of the season. How you know we talked about the youth and and we're, we're still the same age. Some of them may have had a birthday and turned a different number. But other than that, we're still the same young team, but we are maturing and, and we're learning on the job. And I think that's all important and evident as, as we see this season get deeper and deeper into it. All right. Luke, get back in here with us. Coach, uh, looking forward to Florida Atlantic. They started the uh, the, the season off kind of slow now, uh, up to, I think, 70 or 71 in, in RPI, but they've won their last three series, 
10 out of the last 13. It's always uh, funky when you go down there to Boca, try to concentrate on baseball, one of the most beautiful places in the world. Coach Max got a great uh, program down there. And, uh, you know, because you jumped Louisiana Tech because of the, the rainouts, I mean, obviously this is the next on the schedule, but this is the most important series of the year to cement why you need to be a, a, a regional host or, or a high-two seed. Well, you're right. And, uh, you know, we, we, we talk all the time about the most important games, the next one that we're due to play. And it just so happened just as the last weekend of the, of the regular season and, and conference. So, you know, it is the most important. We are here at the, at close to the finish line of the regular season. There's a lot at stake as we go to, to FAU. Both of us have qualified for the conference, uh, USA tournament, uh, over in Ruston. So, but, you know, we, uh, you know, we're playing good ball. Coach Max team's playing good ball right now. They took three out of four from Western Kentucky on the road last weekend. So, uh, it ought to be, it ought to be a challenge and a, and a, and a very fun series down there. What what do you do after you have a week where you you got a midweek game? This week you don't have a midweek game. School's out. It's uh, you know really one of the first weeks of the year where it's just different. And so, how do you kind of keep guys focused only on baseball? Well, you know we've had some weeks where we haven't had any midweek games, and we've had some weeks where we wish we would have had some midweek games. <laughs> so uh, the way that we we played in those midweeks. But, you know, this, the difference is right now from the, the other weeks where we didn't have any is that we don't have any school, you know. And, and I, I told those guys yesterday when we got through, you're, you're like a professional baseball player now. You don't have to worry about academics. All you have to worry about is doing your job. And, and that's exactly what we're going to concentrate on. We took the t- today off. I mean, four-game series over the weekend really takes a lot out of you, both physically and mentally. So we just – just clear it today. Just let them have it off, uh, and whatever they want to do, they can do. Some of them will still come and hit, which they have. Some of them have already been in the weight room. Uh, some of them just keep the same routine. But we'll start back tomorrow, and we'll get back on the field tomorrow and Wednesday before we fly out on Thursday. But, you know, we're just going to enjoy this time. You know, I told them yesterday, you're living a dream right now. All you have to do is play baseball, and that's it. And that's it. So, Hopefully, uh, you know, they value that and appreciate that and, um, and be ready to go when we get down to FAU on Friday. Coach, I think I read yesterday in a Patrick, uh, one of Patrick's articles that you're on one of the you're one of one of the committees that has something to do with with picking regional sites. Did I read that correctly? Well, I don't pick regional sites. No, sir. I'm on the uh, South Regional Committee that is, uh, gives information about teams. Okay. For at-large bids, right? So okay. Okay. It, it's it's. Um, I represent Conference USA, the Big Twelve, the SWAC, the Ohio Valley, the AAC, and uh, the AAU uh, or AAC. I'm sorry, and ACC. We're all on that same. There's a there's a coach from each one of those, uh, and the Big Twelve. I think so. We we get together three times and talk about not only our team, but we talk about our teams and our conference, and then those uh, non-conference opponents that we've played. 
So we that gives the committee, um, the committee that makes the decisions, all the information they need uh, to, to make those choices and the best choices they can. I got you. Do you have any thoughts about regional play at this point, Coach? And I know I understand that you don't like to look ahead, but there's so much chatter back and forth, back and forth. Um, any thoughts that you have as to where Southern Miss and other Conference USA teams should be in the consideration of these regional sites? You know, I, I, I don't know. Um, I know that later this week I've been told that they're going to release the 20 possible host sites, which later will be narrowed to 16 uh, on that selection or Sunday before selection Monday uh, that, they, that they'll choose from. So, you know, what those uh, and who those sites are, you know, they've asked for those people to uh, to put in bids for it. I think there were like 40 bids that were put in for those sites, and I know Southern Miss put one in as well. I haven't gotten any, uh, received any kind of information or heard anything about what they're leaning towards, and, and I wouldn't anyway. I know on our first call with the uh, Regional Selection Committee that, you know, we were told that uh, nothing would be uh, – they, they would not solicit information from us or opinions from us about that. That would be a separate committee that, that handled that. Right, right. Well, first up, Florida Atlantic, and uh, you guys were talking about that a little bit. We're going to have Coach McCormick on the show Thursday. He's a great guy. Uh, great coaching staff, great tradition down there. That that can't be an easy place to go play. No, it's not. You know, he does a great job, and he's been at the top of Conference USA with his teams and programs. You know, we've battled it out at the conference tournament. I think the uh, I think the last conference tournament championship we won, I think, was against him, I believe, um, in 19. I think that's who we beat in Biloxi. But, you know, they're, they've always been right there uh, at the top of Conference USA with their teams and, 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 and making those bids for regionals. And I don't see anything different this no. year. Uh, with the competition we're going to face when we go down there this weekend. All right, Coach, as always, thanks so much for your time. I look forward to talk to you Monday, and good luck. All right, guys. Thank you Thank very you much. a lot. Coach Scott Berry, everybody. We'll be right back. Eagle Hour back on a Monday. Appreciate the time with head coach Scott Berry, the Southern Miss Golden Eagles. Eagles improved to 33-15 and 15 on the year and take over first place in Conference USA West Division with Louisiana Tech being rained out. Eagle Hour on a Monday, Luke Johnson, Bob Getty from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg. And Laurel, third segment brought to you every day by 4th Street Bar and Grill on 4th Street in Hattiesburg. Homemade lasagna was on the menu today with grilled veggies. They also have chili dogs. Eight ninety five lunch every single day, and as always, always showing you uh, Southern Miss baseball. They'll show all four of those games this weekend down in Boca Raton. Kelly Sander joins us now on the phone, and Kelly, um, Eagles win, and they and they get the sweep. Uh, I should throw it in there, Lauren Johnson, with the correct uh, projection, and on on Friday, and and Dakota actually texted me this morning from Ramey Motors, talking smack on the fact that. He got it right. UTSA took two from from Old Dominion. And, Kelly, how big was it, though? We've been kind of looking back to this rain out with UTSA earlier in the season. Eagles get benefited by a double rain out down in Miami and, and able to take over first place in the West. It's funny that we were talking about this on, on Friday, you know, the game, that one game that was hanging out there with UTSA that the Eagles would need to play to catch Louisiana Tech. And then kind of as an afterthought, we said, well, 
what what if it just so happens that Louisiana Tech actually needs us to play the game, you know, for them to maybe catch the Eagles. And right now, you know, that's that's the way it looks. But I just want to go on record too, Luke, to say I was going. I, I know you won't believe this. I was going to call for the sweep, but so many fans have said that I hex the Eagles by calling for sweeps, <laughs> and then they don't get the sweep, so they think that I'm I'm kind of a hex. Um, I'm only a hex around women, but when it, when it comes to baseball, I was going to pick the sweep, but nonetheless, uh, aired on the side of, of caution, and good for them. Well, and it, look, it just goes to show you everything in baseball, whether people want to admit it, it comes down to pitching, and the pitching was superb. Right. And... Statistically, it's uncanny how the Eagles have owned Middle Tennessee. Yeah, 20, twenty-one and one the last twenty-two games. Hey, no one, no one is going to shout my wife's name down in the roost or in the peat. Okay, so we just let Lauren do her thing, and and it came true. But let's talk about for a minute how dominating a performance first with Hunter Stanley and then with with Walker Powell when you look at Stanley and there's a case to be made there's there's some analytics that go into this analytically Hunter Stanley actually threw a better game than Powell kind of hard to believe Powell was a walk away from from a perfect game but Stanley goes 9 innings 16 strikeouts no walks throws 104 pitches and then Walker goes out 7 innings uh, no hits one walk 12 strikeouts and uh, with Walker Powell, the first uh, no-hitter since Cliff Russell back in 2004, there was a combined no-hitter against Rice in 2019. But, Kelly, I mean, it's so dominant. They are both the Conference USA Pitchers of the Week, something we don't see all the time. But Stanley was absolutely, I mean, it was impeccable what, what he did Friday night. Yeah, and and by the way, all Etheridge did was throw 68 pitches. I mean, yeah, right, <laughs> right. <laughs> 68 pitches, that's barely a, a bullpen. You know, but, and, and we'll have to go back. Luke, you're kind of the statistic guy. We'll have to go back and see how many consecutive innings the Eagles actually shut Middle Tennessee out. You know, that's a long way to come from Mur- Murfreesboro, Tennessee, um, to be completely dominated and all, nearly shut out the whole weekend. You know, really when it comes down to it. Well, and let um, me point this out, Kelly. Walker Powell was one batter away from a perfect game. And the truth of the matter, it's like every balls and strikes, you know. Uh, one one close pitch that was called a ball, if it's called a strike, the kid gets a perfect game. I mean, it was phenomenal. And, that, and you know, how often is yeah, a perfect game? A no-hitter is one thing. Although, in the major leagues, we are seeing, you know, more instances of, of uh, no-hitters. I think there's been four already this year. And we've talked about it here on this program. How Major League Baseball is concerned how few runs are being scored at the Major League level, but we don't want to get away from that. Uh, you know, the oh. Eagles subject and how dominating they've been in pitching. But but USM Southern Miss has really invested a lot uh, financially and everything else in in pitchers. Pitchers have been the guys that they've really gone after and given a lot of scholarship money too. So it's good, but it doesn't always work out. But in this case, it certainly is. And I mean, if you don't have pitchers, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter what right. you have right. on the rest of the team. So it's working out well. And if the season were to end today, the Eagles would be the number two seed and would play uh, Texas San Antonio uh, in the first round. Right. Luke, uh, how, how fried must they be at Louisiana Tech? They play Southern Miss eight times. 
They win five of the eight games. They have two games canceled because of rain. And now, if they both finish the season the same, whether it would be the sweep, 3-1, 2-2, whatever, Louisiana Tech, with five wins over the Golden Eagles, would not win the Western Division. Yeah, but Southern Miss didn't lose twice to Marshall at home either. Right, right, right. Uh, but, so, but but you know they must be frustrated. Yeah, I mean, sure they are. And, and the fact that it's it's weather that does it and you're hamstrung, you know, off uh, flights and stuff. And they got to turn around. they got to play LSU tomorrow in Baton Rouge at the box. And then they will get UTSA this weekend. So, you know, who's to say UTSA can't take one from them uh, yeah, this, no this weekend too? But, yeah. Right. It, it, extremely frustrating uh, for the Bulldogs, and and some of the polls kind of reflect that. RPI wise, they're at twenty four. Southern Miss is at twenty five. Nationally, they really didn't get get hurt too much. But yeah, you come out of Miami, Florida, and you split. So you split with Marshall, you sweep Middle Tennessee, and then a one one split with FIU. Frustrating in Ruston. Kelly, can the Golden Eagles win the Conference USA Tournament with their the kind of on-again, off-again hitting? I think we all would agree with that. But uh, do they have strong enough pitching to win the Conference USA Tournament and then make a lot of noise in the regionals with their pitching staff? Yes. I, I really think they can. And because we talked about you know the, the two co-pitchers of the week, and then we, have to, we throw in Etheridge as an afterthought when yeah. the guy was just as dominating. I mean, you know, 68 pitches. Right. I mean, you know, good heavens. That's right. your number three. That's your number three guy. <laughs> that's um, the number four guy pitch well. Yeah, that's what, I'm, that's what I'm saying. Right now, as you're heading, you know, closer and closer to postseason, if the pitchers continue to throw like that, you bet. And they, and it might be two to one, but their, their pitchers are good enough right now to to carry the team. There there there's some high school teams that are still left in the playoffs. One of them that I do the play by play for. They're not a great hitting team at all. But their pitchers are just so good that they don't need to score. But mm-hmm. now they've been scoring more than three or four runs, but that's about all they need. Right. Because the pitchers have been so yeah. good. Right, right. Your thoughts, Luke? Here was here was the the, the stat you were looking for earlier, Kelly. So the Eagles okay. the Eagles shut them out nine in a row, give up one and that was in the 10th inning of, of game one. Then right. go the next 16 innings, scoreless, Okay, give up one. So, so in 25 And then go the next five. So you got five and 16, that's 21 plus nine is 30. 30 out of the first 32 innings they held them to no runs, shut them out. And in the other two innings, there was only two runs. So 16 in the middle uh, between Powell, Etheridge, and the first two innings of Boyd. And, and remember, the Middle Tennessee is a middle of the pack team on the other on the other side of the ledger, on right. the East Ledger. You know, it's not Marshall, it's not Rice, it's mm-hmm. it's Middle Tennessee. But you know, you're talking about Louisiana Tech being frosted. How would you like to be Middle Tennessee? Going, what do we have to do to beat Southern Miss? Right in baseball, I mean, statistically, <laughs> what twenty one out of twenty two? Yeah, I mean, that's just that's. Unbelievable. Especially in baseball, right, yeah. Kelly? More so than yeah. any other sport, that would just be seemingly impossible to do. I mean, unless you're playing the Detroit Tigers, you know, who, who right. played Cleveland. Right. I think Cleveland beat Detroit seriously last year. I think Cleveland beat Detroit 20 out of 21 games. Or Baltimore can't ever seem to beat the Yankees. Mm-hmm. You know, the Yankees have just sick numbers. But but that's just such an oddity. And in college baseball, too, you know, it's right. wild. 
Right, yeah. It's, uh, Kelly, this is the best pitching staff you've seen this team with? Yes. Top to bottom, I think it is. And and the biggest piece that we talked about even before the season started, Bob, is they've stayed healthy. Correct. You know, Correct. Uh, and more and more with, you know, the number of innings that kids have in Tommy John surgeries at 14 and 15 and all the travel ball they're playing, it's just so hard to keep a pitching staff, you know, healthy. Um so that that's been that's been the, the big deal, and it's a real big deal. You know, Middle Tennessee went so long without scoring, Kelly. I had I had finished off my third piece of strawberry pie before they scored their first run. It was amazing. Yeah, had to had to rub rub my nose in it, didn't you, Bob? But you guys are up there. You guys, you know, you guys get on me during football season that I'm looking down from the executive lounge. You know, um, pineapple guy, and cheese deer sausage, barbecue chicken. Roof. Fingers that was out in the roost, and somebody right down from us was frying f- fresh fish. I mean, it right. was it was phenomenal. Hey, don't let him fool you, Kelly. He he eats that, and then he comes up there and eats with us as well. I saw him Saturday afternoon up there in the in the chicken it was a wings. Cheat day. Yeah. Well, let me let me just as we go to Look. break, let me just tell you something. I'm the only guy that scores less than Middle Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> That string is not likely to be broken anytime soon. Eagle Hour finishing on a Monday. Happy to have you along with us. Fourth segment brought to you by DBAT and D1 Training located in Hattiesburg, Mississippi on Hardy Street. Great batting cages, great instructors, and a place where you can get in the best shape of your life, DBAT. And do you want to go see Ryan or Catherine Maloney down at DBAT and D1, proud sponsors of the Eagle Hour Conference USA standings as we go into this Monday, last week of of conference play, and, and you're saying, what is going on? Well, the way that, that it was set up, next weekend will be off. And, uh, there, of course, uh, Louisiana Tech playing Old Dominion. Nothing's been announced as far as Southern Miss, but it would be a non-conference game. Eagles got FAU this this weekend and then off next weekend as of right now, and then the conference tournament uh, starts. But as we look at what happened uh, in Conference USA Baseball that leads to these standings, Charlotte leading the East. 22-6, and six. Old Dominion dropped two to, to UTSA. They're in second place at 19-9. and nine. FAU at 16-12 and 12 overall. In third, Western Kentucky 14-14 and 14 and fourth. And then FIU and Marshall bringing up the rear in the east. In the west, the Golden Eagles now a full game ahead of Louisiana Tech, 20-7 and seven in the conference. Tech 19-7. UTSA third at 13-14. and 14. Middle Tennessee 10-17-1. And, and then Rice and UAB both bringing up uh, the rear. In in the West, so uh, so Bob, I mean, it's what we wanted. Uh, Golden Eagles going into the last game of the season, controlling their own destiny about where they will land in the Conference USA Baseball Tournament. Absolutely, they win four games. They uh, win the Western Division. Uh, tough, tough thing to go beat Florida Atlantic four straight games. But yeah, you're right. They're they're right where they want it. If the tournament were played today, Charlotte would play Middle Tennessee. Am I right? Southern Miss, Texas, San Antonio, Texas. I mean, Louisiana Tech would play Western Kentucky, and Old Dominion would play Florida Atlantic. 
That that to me would mean that the toughest they're all tough, but the toughest opening round matchup would be on a team that right now has the highest RPI of any team in the league, Old Dominion, they'd have to play Florida Atlantic right out of the gate. I, I hate I hate that it sucks to be them. <laughs> I, I guess. Would you, you want know, to play them the first game? I would not. No, but Luke, you've got those standings there. What's Western Kentucky's? Because Western Kentucky has qualified for the postseason tournament. I mean, they're in. They're fourteen and fourteen. They're fourth in the East right now. Fourteen and fourteen is going to get in. You know, is going to get in the, the postseason tournament. I mean, they're already qualified. They're already in. And as it works out, that schedule. You know, you talk about how tough it is to go to, to Boca and and beat FAU. But heck, it's no cakewalk for Louisiana Tech. They've got to go to, to you know or Old Dominion. You know, that's two of the top teams in the league going at each other here down the stretch. That, that's going to be an RPI. What that game is going to help La Tech with, and they didn't know it was going to come down to it at the time, but what it's going to help La Tech with is that final boost to try to get their RPI in the top 20 for to host a regional. So it's brilliant scheduling by their athletic department that's paid off at the end. And if the Eagles, even if the Eagles, uh, you know, the kind of the gentleman's agreement was – that they would, you know, host FIU or play FIU. Well, FIU right now is one forty-seven, so the Eagles will not get the bump that Tech will. You're talking about if they if they play if they uh, if they play and it would be a and if they play in a two-game non-conference yeah. uh, just for RPI. That, that's what it would be, and the Eagles won't get the bump that Tech will because Tech will be twenty-four playing a, a top. I think Old Dominion's fourteenth today in Warren Nolan. Well, as as, uh, as college. Sports continues to evolve. Look for a potential change on the on the hardwood in basketball next year. They're talking about adding another foul per player to be more in line with the NBA game. Right now, there's only five fouls allowed for a college player before they foul out. They're thinking of going to six, which is absolutely converse to what they're trying to do, which is speed up games uh, and that they can potentially play under two hours. But adding another foul to players, uh, the most people think would actually slow the game down, but it looks like that's going to pass. So we'll see. And really, as it is now, how many how many college basketball players foul out? It just doesn't happen very often. Yeah. But now to give them a sixth foul, I'm not sure. You know, if it's not broken, don't fix it. But apparently, that's don't you what think, we're going to be in store for. Don't you think the answer to that is to move to quarters, like the women's game, where the fouls will reset at the end of each quarter? If it is, I, I don't know why. I, you know, again, it kind of goes back to the last point. If it's not broken, you know, don't fix it. I mean, college football games. Yeah, but, games but how many, how many, how many games, Kelly? Though in basketball this year, the last five minutes of the game lasts thirty minutes because everybody's in bonus. Yeah. Well, that, that's true, but I mean, you're going to have to change that number as well. You know, if you all it, all it would be on an individual basis is keeping uh, star players in the games more. But if you're giving them more fouls, then you need to add, you know, foul totals before teams go into the bonus, or you get nothing but teams shooting free throws, which nobody wants to nobody wants to watch. But you know, college football as it is, is takes about three hours or longer to play, and college basketball is about an hour and fifty minutes. So I don't know why they're in such a hurry to get basketball games over when football games seem to go on and on and on. Well, Bob. you're right, Kelly, and uh, 
One thing we're going to discuss this week, too, guys, is this uh, extra innings rule in college baseball. Just drove me crazy Friday night to watch two great pitching performances in nine innings, and then we start putting guys on second base. But that's uh, that's a subject for another program. I want to thank Coach Scott Berry for joining us. Uh, always look forward to our conversations with him. We've got a great week of guests lined up. We hope you'll tune in each and every day at 1 o'clock. Until tomorrow, everyone, Southern Miss to, to the, the top. top. I want to fly like an eagle to the sea. Fly like an eagle. Let my spirit carry me. I want to fly like an eagle till I'm free. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.